Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Pulled from the hottest topics coming across our news desk, I'm Austin Lloyd, and this is Housing Wire Daily. Today's HWD features the third episode of the Preparing for What's Next miniseries, sponsored by Black Knight and hosted by assistant editor of Content Solutions, Jordan White. In today's episode, White is joined by Andy Walden, Vice President of Market Research at Black Knight, and Conrad Ficka, the Vice President of Loan Data Products, also known as McDash. In this episode, the pair discuss what's next in the forbearance landscape. Thank you for listening, and here's today's episode. Hello, Housing Wire listeners. My name is Jordan White, and I'm an assistant editor with Housing Wire. Today, I am joined by Andy Walden, VP of Market Research at Black Knight, and Conrad Thicke, Vice President, Loan Data Products, also known as McDash. In this sponsored episode of Housing Wire Daily, we'll be focusing on what's next in the post-forbearance landscape. It's so nice to have you both here today. Thank you for joining us in Housing Wire. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, and I'm very excited for today's episode. We've already gained so much market insight in the last two parts of this series. Welcome back, Andy. Absolutely. Thank you for having me back. Yeah, and Conrad, it's great to have you on today as well. I'd love for our listeners to learn more about you, Conrad, if that's okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Jordan. So I'm glad to be here. I'm an avid listener of the, the Housing Wire Daily series. Uh, I found that particularly useful. So by way of introduction, um, unlike most who often randomly landed into the industry one way or another, I effectively grew up in mortgage and have spent more than half my life in it. I started my career working as an intern for one of the first one-stop shop home builder, lender, and title companies in Colorado, you know, where I've lived most of my life or really my entire life. Uh, here, I focus primarily on mortgage lending systems, data, and reporting. Um, I then made a move to a wholesale lender who got into retail when everyone did in 2004, 2005 timeline, um, which took you know about another year for them to hit the implodometer site, like like many of the similar shops in in this space. Um, so luckily, I landed a role at uh, McDash Analytics in advance of that occurring. You could say I saw the writing on the wall. And after hearing more about the loan level, you know, McDash mortgage performance data set, I felt it was going to be an important tool for our industry to track market impacts and continue performance. The Black Knight family of companies acquired McDash Analytics more than a decade ago, and I've been here riding the mortgage waves ever since as the vice president of loan data products, otherwise known as McDash, as, as was stated. So, so dri- driven by you know, the recent set of waves caused by COVID and unemployment trends, the industry has looked to us again to provide a data solution around tracking of forbearance impacts to the market which have been yet another interesting ride. Yeah, you know, Conrad, I just want to say, I love that you said you've been in this industry for a while. You're truly a unicorn. Um, That's one of the questions I usually ask people. And it's always like, you know, we don't really know how we got into this industry, but here we are. Uh, So it's great to hear that you've actually been in it for a while. Going off that point that you made, Black Knight has been reporting weekly forbearance metrics for some time now. And so you have a better view of this situation than anybody else. How exactly do you get that insight? Is this based on a survey or your service or clients? Yeah, and I can, I can probably take that by, by explaining the McDash product line in a little bit more detail. So McDash is an industry-leading loan-level mortgage performance data set that has the deepest, broadest makeup of servicer-contributed data in the marketplace today. Uh, we've tracked more than 200 million unique loans and tens of billions of loan performance updates since the 80s with over 100 data variables to analyze. 
Um, so, so as, as mentioned, when, when COVID drove up unemployment to unprecedented levels, the industry kind of took us, you know, Black Knight for a solution and, and really required it immediately. So, so they, they, they looked to us for that. Um, it, it was quite a feat. While we're all trying to deal with the life impacts of figuring out how to work from home, we're immediately tasked with finding a way to get mortgage performance and for, mm-hmm. forbearance data out to the market as quickly as possible. As you alluded to, you know, a survey uh, you know, by, by like servicing clients would have been the simplest solution, um, like others did in the market. But McDash team, we've always kind of prided ourselves on having the utmost data visibility, and that really requires loan-level data to do so. The need for real-time updates became glaringly obvious as the pandemic's toll on the economy took hold. Uh, the McDash group at Black Knight you know, worked closely with our MSP servicing technology team to pull together a data product we now call McDash Flash. So McDash Flash was kind of our response to what the market needed at the time, which was loan-level mortgage performance data that's refreshed daily with only a single business day of lag. We released this product inside a month going live in April 2020, and it was really a Herculean effort by the team. It, you know, it required, um, but, but it was really required as Black Knight was really the only one capable you know, given our positioning in the market today. So moving from you know a monthly data cadence as is common for mortgage to a to a daily cadence had its challenges to say the least. Um, you know, tracking at the loan level tens of millions of loans daily produces an immense amount of data very quickly. This really required industry-leading tools, processes, and, and we're lucky to have an amazing data analytics team, contributing clients, MSP, and our rapid analytics platform to make it all possible. Right. So kind of with all of this data that you're seeing, you know, what is it telling you about the forbearance landscape right now? And I can I can take that one. I mean, we all know that forbearance plans, which have allowed homeowners to temporarily delay up to 18 months worth of forbearance payments, have been a massive part of the market over the last uh, couple of years as we started to recover from the pandemic. And really, if we look all in, we've seen nearly 8 million homeowners that have used those forbearance plans. So that's roughly 15% of homeowners with a mortgage that have been in those forbearance plans over the last 18 months that have, that have needed that assistance. Um, that being said, we're in this kind of transitory or transitioning period in the mortgage market. Back at the end of July, we started to see that first layer of protection roll off, those foreclosure moratoriums, which were that first umbrella of protection for homeowners. And now we're in this secondary period where we're starting to see those forbearance plans start to roll off for homeowners as well. If we look at what's just happened over the last 45 days, mm-hmm. we've seen three quarters of a million homeowners leave their forbearance plans just during that period. And we're expecting another quarter of a million to leave those forbearance plans as we move through the tail end of 2021 uh, as well. So again, kind of moving away from a lot of those pandemic related protections that had been put in place and kind of returning those homeowners owners back to, or those mortgage holders back to making those traditional mortgage payments, whether it's a full payment or a more modified payment. Right. And, you know, you mentioned this large number of people coming out of forbearance, you know, what exactly does that mean? Are we going to see a wave of defaults and foreclosures in coming months like we did in the great recession, or is it going to be something a bit different? I mean, and when you start to look at the numbers, obviously a million homeowners making that transition all at the same time, primarily those folks that were the heaviest hit by the pandemic, those that entered in March, April, and May of last year, that's eye-catching, right? And it's eye-catching for regulators, it's eye-catching for servicers that are having to kind of deal with that and work through those loss mitigation programs. Obviously, investors of mortgages very closely watching what's going on, impactful for homeowners. And I think even when you look into the housing market, I think a lot of folks, potential home buyers, investors out there in the housing market really dialed in on what this potentially could mean for housing inventory as well. So a lot of eyes on what's going on in this transition. Um, You asked if it could 
be similar to the Great Recession, right? And I think that's where a lot of eyes go. Obviously, everybody remembers exactly what happened during the Great Recession. We remember the run-up in home prices. We remember the bust. And we remember all of the foreclosure activity that, that, that took place in the wake. I think what we're going to see here, not only in late 2021, but into 2022, is going to look and feel very, very different than what we saw from the Great Recession for a number of different reasons, right? Mm-hmm. The first one being that the cause of why this is taking place in the first place. If you look back at the Great Recession, it was really borrow- a, a wave of subprime lending, right? As we all know, borrowers that were unqualified to have those mortgages in the first place, many of which that, that had stated income or stated documentation to acquire those loans. And then when you look at the mortgage products being used at that time, there was a snowball effect that was created by a lot of that reset activity where borrowers, either their arm payment adjusted upwards, or they went from an interest only to a fully amortizing payment. And there was this payment shock where even if you were qualified to make your mortgage payment up front, maybe you weren't after two years. So a very different dynamic than what we're seeing play out in the market today, where we're really dealing with a short-term loss of income or a short-term loss of employment as a result of the pandemic. And the, the uh, policies and processes that we're putting in place to assist borrowers, right, primarily forbearance plans are, are very different in their nature than what we used last time as well, right? So the, the cause of the pandemic much different. And then when you look at the way that everything is playing out, I think there are a number of differences there as well. The first one being homeowner equity. And if we look back at the Great Recession, we know home prices went into free fall really from 2006 all the way through 2012. And by the time we got to the bottom of the market in 2012, you had 42% of homeowners that had less than 10% equity in their home at the bottom of the market, 28%, right? So more than a quarter of homeowners were fully underwater, right? They owed more than their home was worth. And that resulted in a lot of walkaway risk. Homeowners that potentially could have returned to making mortgage payments that simply walked away from their home and added more distressed inventory to that population as well. Mm-hmm. Very, very different today. Right. If you look at the housing market and what's happened over the last 18 months, we've seen the hottest housing market in recent history. We've seen the average home price increase by about 27% right. since the onset of the pandemic. And when you look at homeowners' equity positions, homeowners are as equity rich as they've ever been, right? That walkaway risk is not there. That snowball effect isn't there either. And even when you look at homeowners that are in forbearance, and even when you take those 18 months of deferred payments and tack those on to homeowners' debt, there's still only about 7% of homeowners that even have limited equity in their home, have less than 10% and very little, if any, negative equity sitting out there in the market. So from an equity perspective, from that kind of snowball type effect that we saw during the Great Recession, simply very, very different out there um, in the market today. A couple other things that I think 2020 will look differently, right? If you look at early performance and the the dust is still settling from those folks uh, that are leaving those forbearance plans right now, but if you look at the early performance of folks that have left these forbearance plans, they're performing pretty darn well, um, mm-hmm. if you kind of look at it holistically, right? So not as much default risk as potentially some early indications or some early thoughts may have been. You're seeing the vast majority, roughly nine out of 10 of these borrowers leaving forbearance plans that have either been able to return to making mortgage payments or have been able to sell or refinance uh, their home. Uh, we have over $9 billion in homeowners assistance funds as the American Rescue Plan Act or as part of the American Rescue Plan Act that'll act as a little bit of a tailwind for the recovery as well. But if you look at those funds in context to the amount of past due mortgages out there, almost a third of the increase that we've seen in past due mortgage payments could be covered by those half funds if they were 100% allocated to pay, paying down past due mortgage debt. So I think that's a, a noticeable tailwind that we'll feel as we move into 2020. 
And then the last one is if we just look at recent mortgage performance, right? And the number of new troubled loans entering the market, what it really tells us is that the mortgage market was hit hard in, in really the second quarter, third quarter of 2020. Mm -hmm. But from that point forward, in terms of the numbers of, of new homeowners that are becoming delinquent on their mortgage, we're actually back below pre-pandemic levels. In fact, 2020 is on pace to see the lowest number of new delinquencies that we've seen in over 15 years. So again, when we kind of look at that snowball type effect, really it's, it's not a snowball and, and we're really seeing pretty strong performance of, of uh, mortgages as of late. We're just dealing with those backlog of borrowers that were impacted in March, April, May of last year that have really struggled in making mortgage payments, many of which came became unemployed and returning those borrowers back to mortgage, making mortgage payments. But, but none of that snowball type of activity that we saw um, during the Great Recession. So as we look forward into 2022, there, there will certainly be some bumps along the way, right? Especially in early 2022, given the, just the large volume of homeowners that are returning to making mortgage payments, we certainly could see an elevated level of foreclosure referral activity in, early in the year next year. But holistically speaking, if we take a, a broader look at the market, I would expect 2022 volumes to look much more like 2019 than what we saw in 2009, 10, 11, and 12. Okay, no, and those are great points that our audience can take with them, you know, well into 2022, especially when we think about what the world's going to look like post forbearance. Uh, thanks for sharing that, Andy. You know, so we've talked about defaults. What about repayments? Will there be a similar shift in the repayment outlook? How should the market be assessing that risk? Conrad, I'll point that over to you. Absolutely, Jordan. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, so it's an interesting question. I mean, I think in, in a market with the highest levels of equity, we've seen with also historic low interest rates, you know, together, these obviously drive very high prepayment speeds. We've also seen the beginning of a shift from a rate term refinance market as, as being kind of the, the primary force behind those prepayments into, into cash outs, obviously, uh, with, with, with rates going up and, and having that, you know, historic high uh, equity positionings. Um, our, our daily, you know, McDash flash data obviously provides visibility and actual analytics that we've never really had in our industry before. The ability to track not just single monthly mortality, which is the industry standard for monthly prepayment speeds, but now single daily mortality or SDM as we call it with only a one business day lag provides modelers with new timely actuals to validate their models assumptions in almost real time. So one other, you know, kind of important new metric that will affect prepayment modeling moving forward as well is accounting for deferred amounts and their impacts on borrowers' ability to prepay their loans, given that extra amount of deferred payment needing to be paid off as well. Right. And so, you know, given everything we've been through and learned over the past couple of years, which, you know, has definitely been a lot, do you think we need to reassess the way we analyze and service the mortgage industry? And I can probably take that one and then, and then hand off to, to Andy to, to close it out. Um, so, so the short answer is we've already begun to, um, the, the, the saying necessity is the mother of invention has never been more true for the mortgage right. and housing markets over the past couple of years. So if you sift through all the pain and struggle over the past two years, there's also been some positives in the form of incredible in innovations that you may have otherwise taken years or even never materialized at all. Mm -hmm. Um, we, we've all worked together to roll out, you know, widespread forbearance programs that eventually served over 15% of the market in a matter of weeks, which is amazing. Uh, we saw significant advancements in e-signing, appraisal waivers, virtual property, condition reporting, et cetera. And, and here at Black Knight, we you know, built new enhancements into our servicing platform to handle a new wave of required loss mitigation and, re and required um, you know, or related rather compliance. 
uh, we wrote white papers kind of supporting our clients with recommendation of best practices and utilizing our systems to properly assess and apply fees, suspend auto drafts, and ensure mortgage statements, investor and bureau reporting went off without a hitch. Uh, we also drove advancements to our servicing digital solutions, which have resulted in increased adoption and utilization, providing our clients direct link into their customers virtually. And then we've spoke about McDash Flash earlier, which has provided our customers and the market some much needed insights without the pandemic, I really don't see that amazing advancement happening. Um, you know, going from monthly lag reporting to daily mortgage performance was a significant improvement and opens the door for an outcasting mortgage. In other words, seeing market impacts in real time and, and providing our clients the ability to adjust their solutions accordingly. Um, so, so, so a couple couple other data advancements for Black Knight uh, came by the way of acquisitions, uh, collateral analytics um, that, that we acquired adds new, uh, you know, some additional now casting solutions in the daily home price flash, which is, you know, daily updates on home prices at the parcel level. Um, we also acquired Optimal Blue, and that acquisition added daily rate lock data, which provides clients up with up-to-date information around market rates for pricing models and many other use cases. And, and all these innovations and solutions provide unparalleled insights and advancements for all areas of mortgage and housing. And so, Andy, I don't know if you had any other thoughts to kind of close this out here. Yeah, I mean, I think there are a couple other things that I would add on there as well. And that's a pretty good and robust list that, that Conrad laid out there. Um, a couple other things that I would mention, this is the first kind of key stress event since Dodd-Frank was rolled out. So I think we're gaining a lot of insightful information here in terms of how the market is reacting, how mortgages are performing in response to a stress event. And I know that we're looking at those internally here. I know regulators um, and the government are looking at those specifically um, as well. I think we're also adding to our loss mitigation tool belt. I mean, forbearances, we just rolled out 8 million forbearance plans in a matter of 18 months. And forbearances have been in the toolkit for a while, but nowhere near the magnitude that we've seen since the onset of the pandemic. So again, learning about how those are performing and how our borrowers are coming or, or, or performing coming out of those forbearance programs. Um, beyond that, we had nearly 8 million borrowers, if you think about it, that just raised their hand as potentially higher risk borrowers in a stress event. And so I think from a servicing perspective, we can use that information to help better help those borrowers under future stress events as well. We can use that as modelers to better predict the outcomes of future stress events. Uh, Conrad mentioned deferrals. I think that one is absolutely key as we move into 2022 and really even beyond that, right? There are going to be a large number of homeowners coming out of these forbearance programs that have large deferral amounts that aren't interest bearing. They're not making mortgage payments on those deferrals, right? They're, they're due to be paid off when they refinance or when they sell their home or when they get to the end of those terms. So it doesn't impact borrowers from a cash flow perspective, but it will impact the decisions that those borrowers are making the way that those borrowers are behaving and the way that those mortgages are behaving as well. So when we start looking at how modelers should react to what's going on in the market right now, you definitely want to have those deferral balances in your models and to really take those into consideration when you start to look at borrower information. And I mean, holistically, if we take a step back and, and we're doing this in the mortgage market, I think everybody in the economic profession and really across the U.S. just had a bounty of information right, about how the, uh, how the market reacts to Fed responses, how different borrowers react under different situations. And I really think not only in the mortgage market, but really across the U.S. as well, we're really going to be sifting through not only our reaction as an industry and as a government to the pandemic, but how individual borrowers, individual mortgages 
performance has reacted to those different different incentives in the market as well. So certainly years worth of research and understanding and modeling that have been put on the table over the last 24 months. Yeah, I know those are great points and something our audience should definitely consider as they help borrowers transition, you know, 2022 and beyond. Um, Andy and Conrad, you know, I'd like to say thank you both for joining us on Housing Wire Daily and sharing your insights. It's been great having you and listeners, we'll see you back here tomorrow. Thank you. Now more than ever, the housing industry is looking to its leaders for answers. That's why each week, the Housing News Podcast invites a new mortgage, fintech, or real estate executive to the show to provide its listeners with more perspective on the announcements and news stories crossing HousingWire's news desk. Hosted by Sarah Wheeler and produced by Elsina Lloyd, the Housing News Podcast is now available on iTunes, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and more. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. I hope you have a great afternoon. If you haven't already, make sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on all the hottest stories crossing our news desk daily. The podcast is now available wherever you like to listen. Make sure to tune in tomorrow.